0: this should actually work better than the recorded ones I did during the pandemic because at least now, I have people to look at and I do make adjustments to the sermon based on the looks on your faces. (laughs) I know if I see too many people nodding off, I need to get louder. My brothers and sisters, our first reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Listen to God's Word. Soon afterwards, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son and she was a widow. And with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came forward and touched the bier and the young bearers stood still and he said, young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized everyone, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has looked favorably on his people. This word about Jesus spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding country. Our second reading is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. Listen again for God's word. He left that place and entered their synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand and they asked him, Is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? They're talking to Jesus and they're trying to catch him doing something on the Sabbath he's not allowed to do by law. He said to them, Suppose one of you has only one sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. Will you not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a human being than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored as sound as the other hand. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him to destroy them. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. The whole story of the widow and her dead son often doesn't make sense to us because we don't live in the same kind of culture that was prevalent in the first century. In the first century, if a man died and left his widow, it was her son's responsibility to take care of her. Without a son, what is a widow supposed to do? She has nothing. She has no way to earn a living. She has no one she can go to for help and shelter. Now, to us, that would be totally foreign. We would never leave somebody like that, would we? (laughs) Mostly, no. Occasionally, we fall down on the job in that regard. But this poor woman, she's doomed. All she's going to be able to do is sit in the street and beg. And that's no life for a widow it's really really not it's really interesting to me that people will be very quiet in church and we will do uh, we will recite and do our litany and i say something and you say something back and it doesn't matter where we are if we get to the apostles creed all of a sudden everybody knows we believe in god the father almighty maker of heaven And boy, we're into it right then. And then you get to the Lord's Prayer. Everybody's on top of that one. I've known that since I was like five years old. So I enjoy doing that one. I also enjoy it because we all do it together, and that's a lot of fun. Why do so many people know those two things and so little else about who we are and how we are supposed to be. And I think it's because we are a body of one under Christ, but we are diverse. How many of you are just like somebody else here? Anyone? I can look at you and tell that's not true. You couldn't possibly be. But look at us. How many of you knew, well, some of you did. I'm not counting Glenn and June because I know they've known each other since they were like three years old. Go figure. In Fort Worth, not here. In Fort Worth. And they both ended up here. But how many of you who are here right now knew the other people in this church before you came here? <laughs> don't raise your hand, Jim. Oh, okay. How many of you now know other people in this church because you came here? We are strangers. We don't belong together. We're totally different. We don't think alike. We don't act alike. We don't read the same things or watch the same TV shows. We don't vote for the same people. But here we are. What is wrong with us? We're supposed to be around people who agree with us and hang out with them all the time, don't you know? The only problem, Presbyterians are so diverse, if you ask a Presbyterian, eight Presbyterians a question, you'll get 17 answers. (laughs) Because we're not only diverse amongst ourselves, we're diverse within ourselves. And this is one place where that diversity is celebrated. Not even, I'll, I'll go back and I'll say it's not just celebrated, it's expected and demanded. We have to be different from each other. How else are we going to keep the ball inside the boundary lines of the field? You know, I can go sailing out of bounds and I've always got somebody here to kick me back into play. And that's a good thing. It's a very good thing. We've got the Pharisees this morning with one of their cute little plots to trap Jesus into doing something he's not supposed to do. And then Jesus asked them that oh-so-important question, is it okay to do good on the Sabbath? See, they saw healing as work. You weren't allowed to do that on the Sabbath. That had been defined. You also couldn't walk more than 500 steps on the Sabbath, or you were traveling, and you cannot travel on Sabbath. They took all those laws, and they broke them down to detail. And Jesus comes along and makes this blanket statement. He's asking a question, but he's not really asking, he's telling them that it's right to do good on the Sabbath. You're not breaking any law. And just to prove it, he goes and does it. And says, there, what do you think of that? And they didn't think much of it. When he sees the, the widow And he knows that she's lost her only son. She has no husband. She has no resources. Jesus is moved with compassion for that.
1: He was moved with
0: compassion when he healed the man's hand. Did he know those two people? No. He had no idea who they were. He just saw them and said, they need help. Here we go. And he got to upset the Pharisees at the same time, so that was icing on the cake. He always seemed to enjoy doing that. But you're always going to get somebody who finds fault with what you're doing, even though you think it's the right thing. And that should never stop us from doing what we believe is the right thing to do. This whole idea of Jesus being moved by compassion, it... It sounds nice in in the scriptures when we read them in English, but it has a lot more impact in Greek. He's reacting to the misery of a stranger. Something has touched him deep, deep inside. Jesus knows what can happen to this lady. He knows how this man with the withered hand has to live. And he knows that this man wants to be healed and probably always has wanted to be healed. And he's moved by compassion. In English, that doesn't really work for impact. Because the... And bear with me, I'm going to say it in Greek because it cost me a lot to learn how to do this. Splag knizomai, and I'm not going to give you the literal translation, but the idea is that he was touched, not just with compassion. He was touched deep, deep in his gut. He was, as they would say, rolling in the womb. And that word, that was a way of saying deeply disturbed. He wasn't just moved with compassion. He was disturbed by their condition and moved in a way that com- the word compassion doesn't really touch. How many of you here grew up in this church? One, two. Th- oh, uh, how many of you grew up in First Presbyterian Ruidoso? Right. That's what I was at. Oh, wow! Two, three. I didn't think it'd be that many. Wow. Some of you have been here a long time. Some of you have come home. Welcome. But how many of you grew up in some other church somewhere else? Oh, so you didn't all have the same minister growing up? Oh. See, Kelly, was I your minister? No, no, so I'm a stranger. Jacob, I was your minister for a while. There's maybe, she did raise her hand, but she's grown up in this church. I grew up in Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Tulsa, she says. So most of, most of us really didn't know each other. And believe me, it's weird walking in and as the one new stranger that everybody's expecting big things from. And I cannot raise the dead, I can't heal a withered hand, but I can be moved by compassion, and I've seen all of you moved by it too. It's deep, it's visceral, it comes from our gut. So for most of our lives, we've all been strangers. 20 years ago, if you had run into somebody, and we're leaving Glenn and June out of this, okay, it's no fair for you guys to, but you can think of other people. If you had run into somebody on the streets of Ruidoso who's in here today, would you have known who they were 20 years ago? How many? Would you have known any of these people 20 years ago? What? (laughs) yeah no and that's the whole point Jesus calls a bunch of strangers together and says ta da your family just because I said so and this is how families behave and if it's my family you're going to do that well it's said that God made Australia last of all because he was tired of making everything else the same. We're not alike. Tom likes, he can sit down and read a spreadsheet. Along with a lot of you in here, you might as well hand me something written in Sanskrit. I can't make heads or tails of it. It doesn't make sense to me but that's why we need Tom and Glenn and other people in this congregation who can. Your strengths make up for my weaknesses. Your strengths make up for each other's weaknesses. And we know each other's weaknesses, don't we? We're family. We know each other's weaknesses. And sometimes we can use that against each other. Don't do that. The Pharisees had a different perspective than all of these fem- all of these people in that funeral procession. They thought that Jesus raising that young man from the dead was the worst thing he could do. You can't do that. Only God can do that. They didn't know he was God. But if you look at it from their perspective and you realize how much they hated Jesus' guts. Did Jesus hate them back? Ever? No. They were just different. He still loved them. He didn't always like them very much, but he never told them, get out of here. You don't belong. They were always there. So we're this weird family of strangers. And we don't take our crazy, our crazy family members and hide them in the attic. We bring them down and parade them in front of guests because they're family. Some of us require more maintenance than others, and that's okay. Some of us require a lot less maintenance, and that's okay too. Just remember you're not alone in this world. But we are a family of strangers because that is what makes sense to God. If you believe family is blood, you haven't lived. Family's more than that. And we are called on to be that. How often have you seen uniformity anywhere in your life outside the military? And even those guys and women don't look the same. They're just wearing the same clothes. But they're different people. And we're strangers to each other. And sometimes when we're with each other, we turn in the womb. We're moved by something. And we don't know what it is. But that something is what makes it possible for us to get together with people we wouldn't have known 20 years ago. Some of us wouldn't have known each other last year. And love each other and be a family. And I gotta admit to you, you people are strange. (laughs) You really are. I've never known anyone quite like you. But I hope I get to meet a whole bunch more. Amen. Come, let's stand and say who we are and to whom we belong. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ